Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning again, and um, Tim and Karen are away at a family function this morning, and if you know Tim, our senior pastor, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know he is indeed a wise, old, very old, (laughs) venerated sage, but you also know he is incredibly generous. And so for the last couple of years, he's been working with a group of a few of us. He calls us his pit crew, his preachers in training. And he periodically turns us loose up here to speak to you all. And we are very grateful for the opportunity. This morning, we have the opportunity to hear Miss Lauren Bass. Lauren is, woohoo, that's right. Lauren is, uh, works with InterVarsity, which is a college campus ministry right out here at Coastal Carolina. Go Shants! And uh, we have the pleasure of listening to her this morning. So Lauren, why don't you come on up? Thanks, Brian. So good morning, church. How are we today? So my name is Lauren, and I have two goals this morning. Okay, my first goal is to preach this message with clarity. I'm not feeling 100%, so would you pray for me? Give me a little grace. And my second goal is um, (laughs) that I'm always honored and excited to share with you, but my second goal is to make a big deal about Jesus. I want to make a big deal about Jesus. So I'm going to start this morning off with a story. This past summer, I was basking in the Myrtle Beach sun, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw two, two teenagers that looked like they were in middle school. I guess you could say I was being a little creepy, but I started to pay attention to their dialogue, their interactions, the way that they um, were hanging out together. And I started to remember what life was like in middle school. Oh, middle school. (laughs) I'm a 90s baby, and so middle school for me was full of beanie babies and plastic jelly shoes and high ponytails, jean overalls. Anyone else in the house a 90s baby? Yeah, so Lauren Bass in middle school was pretty quiet. Lauren was pretty sassy, a little quirky, if you know me, that hasn't changed. And no joke, I had bangs that started like back here. Like half my head was bangs, and then the other half was just hair. So it was this weird mullet situation. (laughs) But I also had a lot of freckles in middle school. And I did not like my freckles in middle school. I wasn't really fond of my friends playing connect the dots on my arms. Or when people said, oh, you have precious angel kisses. I wasn't a fan of my freckles in middle school because I thought they were imperfections. And so I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew that you could pray and ask God for things. Now, whether or not God answered those things, I was a little fuzzy as a middle schooler, but I knew that I could pray and ask God to answer things. So this is what my prayers were like in middle school. (laughs) Every time I thought about my freckles, I would say, all right, God, take away my freckles. I'd look at my arms, 
Okay, they're still there. So I'd go back into prayer, and I'd say, God, this time, take away my freckles. No, they're still there. But I was so persistent and faithful in that one prayer throughout middle school. I'm 25 now, and I can confidently stand before you and say that God did not answer that prayer. (laughs) I still have my freckles. (laughs) But what I can say is that God reversed that prayer. He flipped that prayer upside down and started to speak to the state of my heart because it was less about my freckles and more about my heart. And God does that. God speaks to the state of your heart. And so there's a parable in scripture about a faith-filled woman who was prayerful, she was persistent, and she was patient. So parables in the Bible are simple, memorable stories with captivating meanings. Sometimes the meanings are so simple, they're missed. And so Jesus, he tells this bizarre parable, which I'm telling you, the parable we're going to look at this morning is pretty bizarre. He told this parable 2,000 years ago in the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke was a Gentile physician and a doctor and a missionary companion of Paul. His readers, his audience would have been the Greek-speaking upper-class Rome, so they were well-to-do. They were sophisticated. I'd say Luke's audience would have lived in District 1 from the Hunger Games, if that helps anyone. Okay? (laughs) It helped me, (laughs) Luke's focus also in his writing was highlighting prominent themes around Jesus' ministry to the outcast, the religiously unfit, the poor, and the women. So, District 12, right? Okay. So, with any any passage of scripture, we always want to read it in context. What was happening before, what was happening after, we want to read it in the context that it was written. So, for example... We would never open up, let's just pretend this is Harry Potter in the Order of, Fe- Order of the Phoenix, to the sixth chapter and expect to know what J.K. Rowling was talking about. Scripture is similar. We, would, we want to know what is happening in context. And so we are a part of a larger narrative, God's story, and he wrote a pretty good story, right? Who could write a better narrative? You and I are the God of the universe. I'd say the God of the universe. So With all that in mind, are we tracking? With all that in mind, we enter into Luke 18, and we find Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, talking to his disciples right before his arrest, right before his trial, right before his death. And so Jesus, being Jesus, knew that his disciples were about to face some very hard times ahead, persecution and suffering had already begun. They had already started to lose hope and lose heart. I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into the passage. Father God, I ask that you would be present among this room this morning. Holy Spirit, would you fall on each of us in a unique way? Would you illuminate your passage this morning? I ask that you would give me the gift of teaching and extend grace to each of us in a fresh new way. Jesus, thank you for continuing to love us even when we run away. And so we give you this morning and we give you this time. In Jesus' strong and mighty name, amen. 
All right, so Luke 18, it should be on your screen, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice just so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? All right, interesting parable. There are two extreme players in this parable. We find the widowed woman and the unjust judge. Ladies first, so let's take a closer look at the widow. In first century Palestine, women were considered second-class citizens. So the fact that this woman is a widow makes her even lower on the totem pole, lower in society, and in deeper trouble. She was without a husband. So she lacked resources, she lacked support. In society's view, this woman was supposed to be vulnerable. She was supposed to be oppressed and definitely weak. And yet, what do we find her doing? She's approaching this judge with a plea because she believes she has truth on her side. Interesting, fascinating to me. So let's look at the judge. It was under Old Testament law that judges were supposed to fear God and therefore defend the oppressed. Therefore defend the oppressed, all right? And so this judge was actually responsible to hear this widow's case. And yet, his centering point was on himself. He was fiercely independent. And he couldn't be appealed to like normally because he wasn't honest. Like this judge didn't fear anyone. He didn't fear man, he didn't fear God. Like that's a hardcore crooked dude. Are you guys tracking with that? That's a hardcore crooked dude. I don't want him on my team, let's just say that. I don't want him on my team. And I can see the disciples now probably like LOLing when Jesus is telling this parable because they're like, wait a second, who is this woman? Who is this widow? that this judge is so afraid that he thinks she'll come and attack him. He actually says, she might come and attack me. And attack in the Greek literal translation means to beat black and blue. And so I can see the disciples now like giggling like little school kids, right? Thinking who is this widow in this humorous parable that Jesus is telling that's over the top that this judge would give in, would give what this widow wants, would give her justice, just so that he wouldn't be beaten up. <laughs> to track along with this sermon today, you have notes in your welcome packet. Your first feeling is super simple, so simple you guys can memorize it. It's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
Jesus is funny. You know why? Because he so often counters a question with a question. So the fact that Jesus shows his cards like right up front and says, this is why I'm telling this parable. That's so interesting. We don't have to do a lot of work to figure out why Jesus is telling this parable. He's telling this parable to his disciples then and us now that it is necessary to always pray and not give up. And so our text assumes that this audience already knows how to pray. It assumes that this audience already knows how to pray. And remember, we want to look at the whole story. We would never open up the middle of a chapter of a book and expect to know what's going on, right? So we want to look back to Luke 11, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And Jesus is teaching them that it's about God's will and God's kingdom. Not our cause, not our kingdom. It's God's will and God's kingdom, not our cause, not our kingdom. Have you ever felt like you didn't know what to say in prayer? Has anyone been there? Because I know I have. I felt like I don't even know what to say to God sometimes. Well, later in the New Testament, Paul actually gets to this point and he says that sometimes we do not always have the words to say in prayer. And he explains that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, knows our thoughts, knows our needs, and will actually intercede on our behalf, as it says in Romans, with groanings too deep for words. So even our inadequacies as communicators will not stop God from understanding us. That's huge. That's huge. So in high school, I was a part of the field hockey team. And so if you are a part of any athletic team in high school, you get the whole like get like the whole apparel get up, like the hoodies, the pants. And I love my field hockey varsity hoodie. I wore that thing everywhere. In fact, I'm 25. I still wear it. In fact, I brought it with me to show you guys. So we have um, Grafton field hockey. Now this thing is 10 years old. It's worn out, like so worn out. My nickname is on the back and my nickname is supposed to say LL Cool Bass. It's like LL Bass. like the A is falling off. Like this thing is gross. Like I need to throw it away. Why do I still have it? It's like, it's part of who I am, right? It's part of my life, an ancient artifact of the life I've lived. And what about you? Maybe you have a favorite pair of shoes, the soles are falling off, and your significant other's like, come on, dude, get rid of those. Or you once bought a new car, and it once smelled like a new car, and now it's got scratches and squeaks. It's worn out. (laughs) Or what about that stain-resistant carpet that's not so stain-resistant anymore? It's worn out. Things wear out. We are so accustomed to living in a world where things wear out. We wear out as we age. Do you ever feel like you can wear God out with your prayers? Do you ever feel like you wear God out with your pleas and your questions? Maybe even your doubts. And to answer that question... We have to look at who God is by looking at who God is not. And God is not, my friends, 
the detached supervisor. Okay, this is the idea that the God of the universe could not possibly be troubled and concerned with seven billion people in the world. And maybe you've thought to yourself, well, God has bigger things to concern himself with than my midterm coming up, or my financial situation, or my car that broke down, or my recent breakup. God has bigger things to concern himself with. And that is not at all the biblical definition of who God is. Real relationships require communication. They require dialogue and interaction. And when we look at this parable, even the widow spent time interacting with the judge to build some type of relationship Probably not a friendship because he's afraid she'll beat him up. But they spent time interacting. And so if a grumpy, crooked judge who actually couldn't care less give you what you need, how much more could our Father answer the prayers of the saints? How much more could our Father answer the prayers of the saints He delights in giving you good things, and he doesn't get worn out. Look at Luke 11, 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the invitation from this passage is that God wants us to come to him with our pleas, with our requests with our situations. And sometimes in prayer, we do move the hand of God. But primarily, our heart is being molded. Our heart is being shaped. Just like my persistent freckle story, like my freckles are still there. But I'm a different person. Over the years, my prayer shifted. I certainly changed. And so maybe this widow was in a financial hole. And so she brought this, this plea to the judge, and he refused, maybe because he was waiting for a bribe. Again, he was a crooked, crooked guy. We don't know the details, but what we do know is all this woman could offer was her persistence. And maybe all you can offer this morning is your own persistence. And that's our second fill-in It's about prayer. It's about persistence. This is a true story. There's a woman named Cha Sasun who lives in a tiny remote village in South Korea. This woman always wanted to learn how to drive, but she didn't start the process until she was in her 60s. Let's just say it was a difficult and challenging road for her. Grandma Sasun failed the written portion of her driving test 949 times. I'm not kidding, 949 times. 40 multiple choice questions. I mean, it makes sense. She grew up in a remote village and she's an elderly woman, right? She didn't start the process until she was in her mid-60s. So she started the process in April 2005 and took the test once a day, five times a week for three years. Eventually, her pace slowed to about twice a week, but she never quit. (laughs) She never gave up. Finally, 
Grandma Sassoon's 950th attempt, she passed. Which she moved on to the actual like driving test. <laughs> which she failed four times. But she eventually passed. And all of South Korea knew of her persistence. Kia Seoul even got in on her story and gave her a free car. <laughs> and gave her a commercial appearance. Because they were so impressed by her persistence. It's a funny story, but are we that persistent in prayer? I ask myself, am I that persistent in prayer? Are we that persistent at Seacoast Vineyard Church in prayer? Are we that persistent? Verse 7 says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is talking about himself in third person. Do you notice that? This phrase, Son of Man, was Jesus' favorite and exclusive way to refer to himself. In fact, he did 78 times in the Gospels. <laughs> uh, this, it was last week I received a confirmation call for a hair appointment. Sometimes I refer to myself in third person, and it's totally awkward. And this is the hair salon that called me, and this is me, okay? Hi, I just want to confirm that Lauren Bass will be at her hair appointment tomorrow morning at 10. This is me. Yes, Lauren Bass will be at her appointment in the morning at 10. Thank you for letting her know. I hang up the phone. Did I just refer to myself in third person? That was so awesome and awkward at the same time. (laughs) So Jesus is not as awkward as I am, as Lauren Bass is. But um, through this title, Jesus' humanity is totally revealed. And that's why Jesus loves to use this phrase, because his humanity is revealed. And so through this title, he swings back again to the earlier context in chapter 17 of his return, his second coming. So when God does come, he will bring justice to the saints, his justice will be quick, and our suffering will seem short-lived compared to the glory of God. And so trouble will eventually come our way, my friends. It's not when or if it will come our way. Trouble will eventually come our way. And so what do we do when trouble comes our way? We persist in prayer. We persist in prayer. It's about prayer. It's about persistence. And that's our third fill-in. It's about patience. So let's imagine together. It's December 31st. Tomorrow is New Year's Day. It's crunch time. You need a resolution, right? What's your resolution going to be? Maybe it's a new diet. Maybe you want to learn a new language. You want to get out of debt. Whatever it is, I want you to think back when you made prior New Year's resolutions. What happened? The first month is great, right? You're so excited, it's new, you're focused, you're motivated, you're patient with yourself. The first month is great. But then what happens? Life happens. Trouble comes your way. And so you get unmotivated. 
or you get really impatient with yourself because you're not seeing the results you want to see. So you jump off the resolution bandwagon and you end up back where you started. But what happens to our patients? Weren't we excited to get out of debt? Weren't we excited to quit smoking? Weren't we excited about that resolution? And oftentimes we find ourselves impatient with our disciplines because we aren't delighting in the process to begin with. And prayer is similar. Why aren't we patient in prayer? We aren't patient in prayer because we lack delight. And some of you don't delight because you're stuck in religion. And here's what I mean by that. You still think that your epic failures, your rough past, what you did last night, disqualifies you from approaching God with confidence. And we don't approach God with our confidence, with our moral goodness, our moral uprightness. We approach God with a confidence of the great exchange of his grace and our sins on the cross. Don't confuse this. The gospel message is, is not Christ so loved us that we had to clean up our act first. The gospel message is why we were still dirty. Christ died for us. And so you have to agree we live in a pretty broken world, right? There's evil all around us, injustice, poverty, abuse, and it can be really overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming. And we wonder, does God even hear our pleas? Does God even hear our cries? At creation, we originally had a perfect relationship with God, each other, and the world. But we got a little selfish. And so we decided to shove God out of the center because we thought we could do it better. And we put our identity in the middle. And I'm surprised God didn't give up on us. And thankfully, God did not give up on us because he intervened with the person of Jesus to restore us back into right relationship with him, with each other, and creation. And so as chosen ones, as followers of Jesus, when we say, Jesus, forgive and fill me, we're actually sent into the world as agents of change, hope, and transformation. And we're stepping into this process of hope and healing through Jesus that we can bring to the world. It is about prayer. It is about patience. And it's definitely about persistence. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to close this out in prayer. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.